Um, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on, man. Um, it is such like a pleasure to have you on. I think you're such a cool dude. And, um, just like a little backstory for everyone. I met you when I, like my first job out of high school was Vivint. I left high school and came straight into Vivint, no sales, no nothing. And they do like a little training seminar and you were the like the inside trainer. sales trainer. I don't know what they were smoking over there to put <laughs> me in that role, but I walked in and I was like, Oh, this is kind of a young guy doing this, teaching all these young bucks to, to do sales. But I mean, you were a solid trainer and I think that was like a very interesting job that you had. What kind of like got you into that job? Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know exactly what got me that position. I, knew I wanted to make money and everyone I knew yeah. that worked at Vivint was like crushing it. I was like, what am I doing wrong? At the time I was working at New Skin doing phone sales and it was okay. 0% commission. Sick. It was just an hourly awesome. wage. And so to even get anything back on a sale, I was like, oh, I guess I got to make this change. Um, I started there um, and within a year was the sales trainer. I just mm-hmm. was really, really focused on leading by example. I really wanted to become a manager over there. Yeah. So from Vivint, when how how long were you at Vivint? You were at Vivint for like total time, probably two years. Two I years. Was there. Okay. Yeah, I was there for about a year, and then got promoted to be the trainer. Did that for about nine months, and then hit the phones again for yeah a few more months, and then just bounced completely. And what was so what point in Vivint did you start Moby? Cause I know you were doing it while you were there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, I, I remember sitting at Vivint and like making commission checks was awesome, but yeah. I knew the value of the contracts that we were signing people up for. And I, I just couldn't get over the thought of like, Todd sitting there with yes. all the money that 100%. we had like made him being like, uh-huh. that needs to be me. Yeah. I need to be the person that's getting paid off. Head of honcho, kind of yeah. About. Like I, I love Vivint and it's so mm-hmm. great, but I wanted it. I wanted to be the owner of totally. something. And so, um, you know, I was thinking of all these different businesses that I could potentially go into, but all of them required a lot of capital to get started. Yeah. And so at the time, you know, I I figured that the cheapest way to get started with my own business was to start at a thrift store where we were paying a few dollars per item. Um, And I knew that it was going to be some, some, I knew that it was going to be profitable in some sense just because you're only investing $50 to begin with when you go to the thrift store. Right. Uh Um, And so, uh, yeah, I was, uh, while I was training, I had started, uh, started that little, tiny thrift store it's yeah. it was, it's actually my wife's idea she went to fashion school up at slick um, awesome i didn't got, know that actually she got a degree and part of her graduating um assignment was to come up with like a business model yeah revolved around fashion uh-huh. and she came up with moby the mobile thrift store we were going to be based out of like a little silver like Airstreamer, yeah, cool. and then kind of be like a uh up like a I don't even know the term, but like we would travel around and people would come find us and we'd yeah. be like an attraction that would travel around to people and uh-huh. it would be the best traveling thrift store ever. But, um, it's not like a food truck that can just be traveled yeah, around. Totally. You have like, if you ever see a clothing shop that's out of an Airstreamer, it's parked, it's yeah. never moving. And yeah, so totally. there's just a ton of regulation. 
And one day at work, I was reading this book called The $100 Startup. Um, and it basically just says, you know, so many of us have so many good ideas, but we're waiting for something to enable us to move forward. Yeah. And if you have $100 in your pocket and you haven't started something, yeah. then you're messing up. You yeah. Know? You're you're wasting time because totally. it's not going to be perfect. It's, it's like there's so many iterations and samples and whatever you're doing, it's not going to be like, Oh, I want to come up with an idea of a business and I started the business and it's going great. Yeah, totally. But if you haven't even spent the first hundred dollars, like, yeah, you're it's already, never gonna you're happen. already off to a bad start. Yeah. So start something. And was that's that what we did. kind of the point? Like, what was the point at Vivint where you, where you were like ready to take that leap of leaving Vivint? Cause I'm sure that was a very stable job to leave. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I, to be honest, I left way too early. <laughs> I left really remarkably early yeah. from where I should have been. I, I mean, you got to make the jump eventually, eventually. Right. Sooner yeah, better than later, I guess <laughs> the, the salary was missed. I will yes, tell you that I'm there sure. were plenty of times where I contemplated hitting up the old vice president of sales and being like, please, <laughs> <laughs> it's not working. Take me back. Uh, yeah. yeah. Turns out it's not amazing. Yeah. Um, but I stuck through it and, and now, now we're chilling. I mean, um, yeah. It paid off huge. Yeah. Things have been going great. Yeah. Um, but, I feel like, um, sorry, just to kind of like backtrack into the, like leaving Vivint. Was there ever like, as soon as you left Vivint was Moby right off the ground or were you, were you guys still kind of working so, on like websites and stuff like that or. Yeah. So, when, when working at Vivint, you know, I was getting a consistent salary check that was 2,500 bucks or around that. And it was really great. And I remember we would do a Moby pop-up where we would make like three grand or four grand. And I'd be like, I'm already making more here <laughs> than I am there. But I yeah. forgot that I had to spend 500 bucks on like the space that we were doing the pop-up at and yeah. then the shipping costs and like the $3,000 that I was seeing from Moby. Yeah. Sh- it was just like, I was seeing everything that wasn't actually mine and thinking that it was like as valuable as these checks that was all mine. You know yeah, what I totally. mean? Mm-hmm. Um, was not all profit. That's yeah. all I'm trying to say is that, yeah. I mean, taxes are taken out and self-employment tax sucks. Dude, it's the worst so thing in the world much. And like, even with, I mean, that's the other problem as well as I, there was no taxes taken out of that. Like, uh, yeah, uh-huh. like with the self-employment tax, you basically collect it all and then, if you already have payroll established, then I guess you can already have your tax being taken out of it. Yeah. But when you're just getting Shopify payments, yeah, the tax is included. So you're seeing more money than what is actually yours. Yeah. So I had done, I think we had done a few pop-ups and like we were starting to build traction. Moby initially gained a lot of momentum because we wanted to be like, I don't know a better way to say it. We wanted to sell influencers clothes. We wanted like it started off right now. You know, if you look at our Instagram, it's like very curated vintage and like curated thrift and it's not just random stuff. But at a certain point we were just selling old people's H and M clothes because you really admire the person that that Uh was like their H and M clothes. We sold like Piper Smith and, um, you know, Indie Blue yeah. and Zoe Laz. And, like you could shop their closet. Yeah, you could shop their old clothes and the yeah. pictures that they've already posted. And that was the other great thing is we didn't have to like schedule a shoot with them. We could just 
find the old photos of them wearing these items and be like, remember this dress that you loved so much? You can buy this actual dress. (laughs) And then they'd get stoked because they were getting a payout from it. And they'd post about it. And it just kind of helped our brand get established. Yeah, We don't do that anymore. Now it's just more curated vintage. And I mean, more than that now. Do you feel like thrifting was always kind of the way you wanted Moby to go? Or was it kind of hard to see that like, full like 10 year vision when you were like back in it was really hard um we we you know looking at like moby's mission statements yeah we are very very heavily influenced by sustainability totally our whole goal is to save the planet and i think really at the time of starting moby that was like the peak time to go to the mall and go to H and M and go to PacSun and like yeah. if you didn't have like the pleated denim or like the long, the ultra the long ultra cur- tee, like curved hem, you're like the curved hem oh, layering with moto like, jeans, like, yeah, can we not like yeah. OG like off brand fear of God, you totally. know what I mean? Uh-huh. And yeah. like the the cinch for your pants would uh-huh. be past your knees. They're all like, your own, all you have are joggers. The the NMD era, yeah. right? Yes. The yes. Yeezy seven fifty totally era. Yeah. Truly, I don't think you could have seen that ten years ago today. People would be shopping at DI and yeah. like Pitto's Closet, and more like, often, than more often than Zara. Mall. It's weirder to go to Zara and H and M, dude, and than it, it was is never to shop like thrift. That. And it was, it wasn't. So that's why I asked the question because truly, you guys were way ahead of the curve on that one. And with curated thrift, it's such a big, like now it's such a big thing, but back then it just wasn't. Yeah, and, and it's so it's funny to hear that to hear that like we were like truly an OG one of the OGs of, because there were people that like there are actual OGs in vintage yeah. and thrift that look at us like the newbie that's like yeah because I mean there's there's been stuff like, like the Rose Bowl stuff. and like all that the stuff Rose that's Bowl, been going Vantage on. and Salt Lake yeah. those dudes back in the day were at the bins before people knew what the bins was, yes, you know? And exactly. so to see the bins that now that's like a thing that like is on Instagram. And you're like, we're going to the bins today. The bins, it's an activity. It's insane because yeah. nobody knew about that. Dude. And, and like anything. Yeah. It was like weird. To, like you're like, what are you doing here? It's but so funny it's, too. Cause yeah, I can't think of lifestyle. like, first of all, everyone at the bins is amazing. I love you guys, but <laughs> there is this sense of like, like, like kind of it's not the same? No, not that it's not the same. I really need to be careful with how I say yeah. this too. It's intimidating to see someone that's digging properly and like try to kind of go in their bin and like yeah. pull from it. It's intimidating. I'm and sure. Like, because I there's mean, pieces. I mean, I've seen pieces you post that are like, some of that shit's worth like yeah. gr- a couple grand. Yes. And yeah. so it's like people are there to not only like make their living, but like also find stuff that they have been looking for for a long time. That's the intimidating part is it feels kind of like you're taking food out of someone's mouth because if you're not going to the bins to buy this shirt, like I think of, I think of the 16 year old girl that's like, Oh, let's go to the bins today. (laughs) That's the person that's actually going to go to one of these like flea markets Mm -hmm. and potentially buy the shirt that they found and like are reselling Uh and like paying their bills to have them go directly to the source is in a sense, kind of cutting off some of these sales that people need. People were relying on before, you know? Yeah. And so uh-huh. right now, what's the process for Moby kind of going through 
that stuff? Like, do you guys do much of that anymore? I know it's, it's switched a little bit, but like, do you guys still go to the bins and search through all the stuff? I learned really early on that I was not the best thrifter hundred mm-hmm. percent. Like yeah. these dudes that I was meeting that are at the bins every day and going when they're not in the bins, they're in the thrift store and on their way home from the restaurant, they'll stop at a different thrift store. And like these dudes are insane and make me look like a fool. Yeah. I am a huge, huge, huge believer in synergy that working together with someone can create something better together than like both of you guys working individually. Totally. And so I really wanted to be, teammates with these guys and let them know like, Hey, I'm going to put all my focus and energy into building a brand that's going to sell this item. I need you to focus on finding the item Mm. and I'll pay you, I'll pay you more and more consistent than like, I I guess I wouldn't pay more right than these average customers, but I can promise you that big pile of clothes that you just like spent a week building up. I'm going to come buy it all from you yeah, because I'm focused so much on making sure my customers, they're ready to to buy that shirt for you. Right? Yeah. I remember when I, sorry, this is kind of way off topic, but I like had some clothes and you guys had moved on to like thrift stuff. And I was like, I wonder if Andrew's going to want any of this. And I showed you all of it. He's like, man, you're like, no, I don't want any of it. And I was like, that's funny. You guys have moved on completely from like that old shit and went to like real thrift. And then yeah. now you guys do like fully <laughs> custom. Dude, we, stuff. it's like, I honestly don't feel worthy to be interviewed because (laughs) in a million like different like lives, this could have gone really poorly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we were just trying anything to fly by and like pay our bills. That was really, it was like, I think that, um, did it feel like you struck gold with that Diana T? Yeah, we we bottled lightning with that like with that Diana. Literally, hundred percent. Did you know when when you guys? I'm guessing you and Lucy when you guys designed that. Like, did you know it was going to be that big? Or were you just? I knew. Hoping I knew it was going to do well. I didn't expect it to do what it did at all. And um, do you have numbers on like what you guys have like not not what you sold, but how many units you sold? I would imagine we've sold twenty five hundred units already. That's crazy. It's been amazing. I mean, like I see it everywhere. It's, it's like a phenomenon. Like I can't even imagine what that's been like when, when you release it, what was that kind of like first drop like of that t-shirt? Well, it's, it's funny because it would be really cool to be like, Oh, you know, I was going to my buddy's house and then I realized I didn't want to anymore. So I made a Diana shirt and then made it a million dollars. Yeah. Just so anyone knows, I didn't make a million dollars. It's funny because both of you guys actually have come into my life before that point at yeah. all. And like uh-huh. seen kind of like, I mean, with you, you were a huge part with like Moby back in the beginning. I think when we started, it was like essentially find anything good for mm-hmm. cheap. And if you can sell it great yeah. we were like a mer- i sold you like a couple pa- pairs of shoes shoes supreme kit uh-huh. yeah like we were we we thought we were like literally inventing the internet by selling <laughs> vintage and like supreme we were yeah. like did we just i mean in utah did we just do something you were a little bit like Dude. in utah it wasn't crazy big at the time it wasn't 
And so you were a little bit, but like, I mean, I, I know it's like in LA and like, it's hard to beat it over there, but in Utah, you there guys wasn't were early. Much. Yeah. There, we were early. We were early. Yeah. Um, and then from there we, we started, um, I don't know if you guys remember, we started doing like, we would find vintage like Nike and Adidas and things like mm-hmm. that. And we would embroider Nike logos all over a vintage Nike piece or like Uh just random additions to vintage clothes to kind of stretch from just selling whatever we found to like potentially putting our mark on it or customizing it. And that was, and you did the like embroidered Moby. We did embroidered Moby that looked like a swoosh. Mm -hmm. Um, And that kind of led us to trying to figure out how we would customize clothes. I ended up customizing some clothes for Mr. Jones. Like, (laughs) dude, I hope you know at that moment, you were like saving me <laughs> and I know that's, that's like funny. funny, but like I think during that time there was some stuff going on in my life that was seriously like world ending. Like yeah. I, I thought that my career or not even career, I just thought that my purpose of life was pretty much over mm-hmm. and uh just tough to get through. It was really tough to I'm get sure, through yeah. and even one person thinking that what I was doing was cool was enough to like help me do it the next day. Yeah. And sometimes that's really like all it takes is one person be like, dude, this is dope. Yeah. Like we've had a pe- so some like people come down here and like in our eyes, it's not finished. And, but people come down here like, this is like awesome. It's so cool that you guys are doing that. And just that like sense of like, okay, someone actually likes what I'm doing. Like I'm not crazy. Like this is a good feeling. And then it makes you want to keep going. hundred percent. Yeah. It, dude, yeah, you will totally. look back on this and this little unfinished basement and be so grateful for it. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. That's so, what I'm hoping for. <laughs> at that moment, if you had interviewed me, I still wouldn't know where I was going. Yeah. I think that was like, that's where I feel like I don't, I don't feel worthy is it's not like I had, you know, from the very get go, I knew exactly what I was doing. I, yeah. I had no idea where this was leading, Yeah, but I was learning stuff along the way that was extremely helpful and let me know what I didn't want to do. You yeah. know, I didn't as much as I dude. There were times where I was in someone's like attic, finding old vintage shit and being like, this is the best thing in the whole world. But mm-hmm. doing that enough made me realize I don't want to do this. I don't want to leave my family to go dig through someone's old hot attic, sweating my butt off, trying to find a vintage shirt that I can sell for $40 Yeah, and then go to Costa Vida and get two entrees and a chips and cheese for 35. Yeah. Get out of here. I'm like hoping that you'll find that next piece that yeah. will pay for the next meal. Dude, yeah. it's just, and that, that was the other like worst part about like the vintage sheen. I'm sorry. I sound like a complainer, but it's like, no, I, I get it, dude. I I found a shirt once. I didn't even find it. I bought it from Vantage for, uh, I think they gave me a deal on it. It was like 250 bucks. The shirt is a vintage mosquito head shirt. If you Uh know vintage, you know about this shirt. (laughs) They sold it to me and I ended up selling it for like 700 bucks, 800 bucks. And I, dude, I was so stoked Mm -hmm. and was like, oh my God, (laughs) $800 for Mm -hmm. a shirt. Like I just hit the jackpot. And then I didn't have a shirt to sell anymore. Yeah. And it's like, okay, onto the, you're living, instead of living paycheck to paycheck, you're living like t-shirt to t-shirt. T-shirt to t-shirt. But that's the other thing is like, paycheck to paycheck, you at least know in a few weeks you're getting another one. You're getting another one. I don't, yeah. I didn't know Great that point. in two weeks I was getting another shirt from Vantage that yeah. I could sell. And like, 
I sat on that shirt for six months before it sold. So like, yeah, geez. so, so you sit on stuff for a dude, long time. It's just like, and so when you guys made, play. when you made that Diana shirt and you realize like, okay, this is kind of, was that kind of when you realize like, this is the way I want to take, yeah, you guys wanted we, to take it. So before the Diana, we made a shirt that was based off of, you know, like the American uh-huh. Thunder shirts. Yes. With all the lightning. I love that shirt. It's a great shirt. It's such a good shirt. That one we like. I feel like I the already puff print on that. Dude, I saw that and I was like, I need that shirt, dude. And at the and time, I didn't get one. <laughs> I, I need to get one. one. I should have brought one. That shirt. No, I'll order one. <laughs> that shirt, I think, was like our foot in the door, right? Yeah, because uh-huh. before that shirt, everything that we had done, even the stuff that we had customized or stuff that we had tried to make whole, like bulk orders of, or like I guess the the real word that I'm looking for is scalable. Mm-hmm. Nothing we were doing before any, like nothing before making a shirt was scalable. It was all sustainable. And yeah. like, that is a, that is like a huge part of the brand. It's our mission statement. And yeah. and part of that is like, I, I believe that when you set your mission statement, it's like an internal compass. It's a truth for what you got to do in the future. And so it would, I think that's probably the reason it took so long to get to a point where we were making a shirt was because the whole, the whole argument to our brand was like, don't buy a new shirt. Yeah. Don't buy Buy a new shirt, buy a used one. There are so many good shirts out there. Don't buy a new one. And then we felt like we were going to go make a new shirt. It just did not feel right. Did not sit right. And so didn't feel genuine. We debated it for like a really long time. if We were going to do it. And I think that we, the way we, we kind of sold ourselves on being able to do it is we didn't want to release anything that wouldn't be cool in a few months. Yeah. See, I think that's what's so great about the Diana T is it looks like a vintage t-shirt. So you're like, okay, if I find this in like 10 years, I'm like, Oh sick. Exactly. That, that's, yeah. that I'm not going to throw it away. Like the, there's going to be a, cracked a little bit and I'm going to want to wear it again. Exactly. Yeah. There, that, that was like the whole goal is like, if, if we find ourselves making a shirt that someone's getting rid of in a few months because it's no longer trendy or like, mm-hmm. dude, I hope you know, and I, I hope my cut, anyone that listening to this knows that's ever thought like, wow, they've been releasing that Diana T for a really long time. Like when are they going (laughs) to do something new? I've had so many ideas for new shirts that are Mm -hmm. so fun. They won't be in style in a year. Yeah. I like, I can already tell you that like the stuff that I've come up with is just not, that's why we haven't done it is because it it won't like, I don't know. Every time I wear that shirt, uh, like I I put it on and I know I'm like, okay, I have to prepare myself because I'm going to get like 10 people that are going to stop me and be like, Where'd you get that shirt? I'm like, I got a movie. <laughs> Does it bug you a little bit that some people like, I, I mean now online you can find them everywhere. Some people have like stolen. The, there, there are, I, I feel like that's how you know. Is it upsetting a little bit? I no, guess. No, it's you like, the, yeah. we, we've made it. Someone's bootlegged a shirt that I've made. <laughs> yeah. We made it. Yeah. We did it. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of Cody and every time I see him, I'm like, Oh, there's a there shirt. It is. There it is. Yeah. I, I think it's so cool that you guys, did that and it, it's such an awesome shirt i think you you said it right like you have to kind of prepare yourself when you wear the diana shirt because <laughs> you you can't expect who's going to talk to you or who's not going to talk to yeah. you you'll you'll have an old woman come up to you and be like so you're a believer you think she's still alive yeah. it's like you're like whoa 
Mountain. Nope. It's just, just a cool shirt. <laughs> it's a cool shirt. I, I also think like, uh, and this is just a thought that I've had for a long time and have been like waiting for the right time to like get it out there. Mm-hmm. But I feel like every dude I know, not every dude, but a lot of people are like looking for something that instantly like makes them more attractive or like mm-hmm. more approachable or like is going to get someone's attention when you are out or like, yeah, there's nothing like that that exists besides like maybe cologne. Like you can yeah. be, you can be pretty ugly, but if you smell nice, it's oh, like, all right. Yeah. At least he smelled nice. Uh-huh. You know yeah, what exactly. I mean? Yeah. Dude, you can look like Quasimodo and wear that Diana out yep. to a bar and people will talk people to will you. talk to you. People, it's, it's so strange. It's, it's weird. Such a weird thing. Like I haven't noticed it with anything else I wear everybody. And I think it's, I mean, it definitely has to do with Diana, but I think people like loves because on the back you could see all her like iconic outfits. And I think people like love that. Yeah. Like, they're like, Oh my gosh, they know about Diana. Like I can go talk to them. <laughs> yeah. And so instant rapport, instant rapport. And so it's, yeah, it was such a good, good little, th- good piece to release moving on from that and sustainability. And it kind of goes hand in hand. Um, you guys released the Diana T and I think ghosted garments kind of had like, I mean, that's the next thing that you made pretty much was yeah. a fully made t-shirt was ghosted garments. Correct. Yeah. Um, Sort of? Uh, it, yeah, I mean, I that actually, I don't know why I'm like having a hard time with that. That's a hundred percent true, and I don't yeah. know why I'm. I was just like trying to connect this. the dots, but I'm pretty sure that it's like because it's not recycled. It's sorry, it is recycled fabric. They're not vintage T-shirts. You completely made them correct. So yeah, I went golfing with Bronson, who's the co-owner of Lonely Ghost, one day, and I was telling him a little bit about what I do, and he was asking questions about the shop, and, you know, it was just a very, very rough idea at the time, but I mentioned something, because I had, similar for Mr. Jones, we, I think we even did this, we did, like, an OG Ghosted Garments. We, uh, we, took the vintage blanks that I had been saving up back in the day. And we Uh had put like some logos on. So I'd already had some experience like doing merch for certain people with vintage clothes. And I like lonely ghost is already so well known and like just they're crushing it at this moment. I mean, if you don't know who lonely ghost is, I don't know. Leave. You should know. You should know. You should know. It's huge. If you're in Utah and you don't know it, look it up. Um, so originally it was, it wasn't like what it is now just recently what you guys released. It was just vintage blanks you had. It was just vintage blanks that I had. And so, I mean, that was kind of the idea that I pitched him on was like, dude, I've been making like merch for certain people using like vintage blanks. Yeah. That would be so cool for lonely. And at the time lonely ghost was opening a, like a, a, it was going to be a month long pop up. Uh Um, that they were going to be in a retail location for a month for anyone that wanted to come shop, they could come find it there. And yeah. they were going to, they had planned four weeks of stuff. Like they wanted to, to make sure that if anyone came in the four weeks, it was going to be good. It wasn't like if you, if you didn't come to the first few days, it's past now. It's not yeah. worth it. They were like, we're constantly going to have stuff. And so working with both of those concepts of trying to maintain something that will keep the store cool for a whole month and, this idea of like vintage, we came up with ghosted garments. Who came up with the name? I came up with the name. 
Thank you. Thank you. That's best name. Dude, it's such it a good name. So, it it's so hard. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's an abandoned piece of clothing. It's awesome. It's such a good name. I love that name. So, um, thank you so yeah. much. Thank you. Thank you. And this you. was at, it was this at, uh, their like lonely ghost grocery. Is that where this yes. was? Okay. So this yes. is, okay. This, I like us talking about it was at their, like their office space, but this, yeah. the whole plan around ghosted garments was, we could come up with 25 unique one of one pieces mm-hmm. that would drop in store weekly every Friday, or cool. I think it maybe may have been every Saturday. No, it was every Friday morning. Yeah. And so we ended up curating a hundred pieces total. It was going to awesome. be 25 for each week. And it was exactly, exactly what the store needed to yeah. show up and see lines of people that were waiting for a specific vintage piece. Yeah. Um, it was sustainable. The brand at that point hadn't done anything that was aimed towards sustainability. Yeah. Um, and not that it's not relevant now because sustainability will always be relevant. But totally. at the time, I think sustainability was very relevant. It was yeah. when thrifting was at its peak. People were, you know, fast fashion yeah. and it was very it was it was the perfect time to release it mm-hmm. yeah we since then the store has been open for over a year mm-hmm. and we have dropped ghost garments in store every week for the last year wow i didn't know that yeah That's every crazy. every friday i mean it's such a good idea because yeah everybody like you said everybody wants that like one-on-one piece and what better way to do that than a vintage piece hundred like, percent and so when did it kind of trans like what what were the talks about transitioning it from like vintage blanks to what like, it is fully now made custom shirts dude that was that was like the most frustrating part is like i i felt like it just cut from coming on just doing moby and like making like in the vintage game if you can, if you can drop something and have 25 people lining up outside of a store for like vintage, it's like, hell yeah. Yeah. Totally. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm feeling like, oh my gosh, the stuff that I'm doing for Lonely Ghost is absolutely crushing. This mm-hmm. is amazing. Those 25 pieces are a drop in the bucket mm. to what like Lonely Ghost is capable of doing with their influence. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I'm spending hours and hours and hours of time doing this like working on this this part of the brand that is so not scalable at all and that was yeah. frustrating that totally. was like because yeah. i mean the collections they do are like i mean it's, it's crazy the, yeah i mean you're currently head of production now i i am so the head of production on that. thank that's you so awesome. much it's like, a pretty new job a yeah it's about? been here i've been i've been doing it for about a year nice yeah so i mean you know what that what that kind of what those huge what that collection entails. look like correct yeah but yeah with vintage probably very annoying to not it was just that much it, it felt like i knew i was capable of helping the large scale the the, the important things mm-hmm. because i knew that this small like if i can spend hours and hours of attention on this one small portion of the business mm-hmm. what would it look like if i was given the opportunity to really like step into a position totally and at the time, Moby was next to a uh, manufacturer that they were using to okay. make some of their sweaters. And like, like your offices down, like in- our offices oh, okay. down in Provo at the time was next to, like it was a it was a full sew shop essentially. Oh, okay. And Lonely Ghost had 
purchased a bunch of blanks that were going to go into production there, but they mm-hmm. hadn't finalized a design. Okay. Cool. And at this point I'd already like, they'd already given me their assets to be printing on yeah. for the ghosted garments. And so I kind of had an idea of like what, it, what it could look like. Yeah. And I remember having a conversation with Bronson, the owner where I was like, listen, trust me. <laughs> and that was it. I was like, I'm going to make, yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, these hoodies. Just trust me. Yeah. And we, made the hoodie that I wanted to is this layered patch hoodie where it, sorry for touching the mic. It's essentially uh, a small piece of fabric sewn into the hoodie. And then they keep adding more layers of fabric on top of it, kind of like a Russian doll. Uh And then it's very interactive. So you can cut the patches that we've sewn in off the hoodie and then sew them in separately, or you can keep them all cut off. And it basically looks like you've just done a ton of layers. It's super, super interactive. Okay. We made some content of this hoodie and it yeah. got, I mean, it went viral. It got millions of views. Uh-huh. Yeah, I remember. Um, and I think that was like kind of not like an eye opener, but it was finally like, a, like I had, I had finally proven myself to do more than just this like weekly drop of vintage. Yeah. It was like, I was I mean, capable. It's such a big step up from thrift stuff to yeah. making your own completely owned stuff like i mean so different it's just so much different but yeah i mean the fact that you could prove to yourself that you could do it super awesome that that was really it i think it proved to me more than it proved to them that i was capable of doing this Mm because i think in their eyes up until that point i was already so confident because i Uh you have to be you can't be like i don't really know what i'm doing but yeah trust me i was like yeah exactly fake it till you make it i was like letting like I remember when I told him, like, trust me, hanging up and being like, holy shit, I hope You're like, I hope this I works. hope I can do something <laughs> cool with this. Yeah, Otherwise, like yeah. I'll never get this chance again. Totally. Um and from there, um, you know, stepped in. I the yeah, I stepped into the role of uh of production head at Lonely Ghost. Yeah. And what's that been like this last past year? year and a half oh my gosh i can't even begin to explain yeah do you guys do your production here in utah or is it we do a lot of it in utah um that's awesome when they started off they came from i mean just like every other clothing brand you come from humble beginnings where Mm -hmm. you're just printing your logo or graphic or design onto a blank Mm -hmm. and they've gone full circle where they're i mean they've developed we have developed like what we consider the perfect hoodie from scratch from, from the yarn that's being milled together. Okay, is it a, that, did you do it on that connect hoodie? We did it on the connect hoodie. Cause I have that hoodie and I remember getting which one that do you have like the brown the heavyweight one. Yeah. And I remember getting that. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, cause I'd, I'd had some, I'd like seen some lonely ghost. It was the first lonely ghost I'd ever gotten that the connect one. The connect okay, one. You did. You got a good one. That that's a like, good one to start off with. Um, cause I, that design was just so cool. But, um, yeah, I remember like getting it out of the bag and I was like, this is way nicer quality than I, just because, I mean, blanks are so popular. Right. And so it was just more than I was expecting. And it's one of my favorite hoodies now. I, I love to it's hear it. It's such a good hoodie. Yeah. And we, so you guys sew those those hoodies? From scratch, wow. we we created that hoodie rather than just being like, this is a cool graphic. Let's put it on whatever. That's awesome. It was like, let's, let's start from the yarn. Let's yeah. focus on, if you can think about an aspect of the hoodie, like- I know Mad Happy does the same thing. I'm looking at the hoodie that you're wearing. Yeah. <laughs> the space between 
the the cuff links, the little stripes that you're seeing, uh-huh. that's by intention. Every little thing can be changed. And if really? they want it away, it's because if it, if it is a way, it's because they made it that way. It's not like you order a hundred of these units and they're that way dude, forever. Exactly. And yeah. like, I mean, even the, the detail on your hood, that little yeah. like sew-in of blue, uh-huh. those are the little things that like, they're doing that to let you know that this is not, a blank. This is not a blank. Yes. This yeah. is from scratch. They've put every second of th- thought. And I think into that's that. the perfect way to explain it. When I got that hoodie, it didn't feel like a blank, which is such a better feeling because you're like, it just feels like you're getting something that I'll have for a long time. Yeah. I want to do things that are good by the earth and make me feel good about myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And by focusing on an article of clothing that's going to actually be worthwhile and last mm-hmm. someone more than a season. Totally. Totally checks that box for me yeah Uh, i think your original question was about these ghosted garments and like why so kind of how the most recent the most recent ones so so back to that to the scalability of things and the sustainability of things Mm -hmm. going to vintage shops and buying their vintage blanks and printing on on them is amazing yeah but we could never keep up with Lonely Ghost audience. I could mm-hmm. I could every day be going to a different vintage shop and buying them out of blanks completely and we would it it wouldn't keep up with the online drop. So the new ghosted garments that we did, we wanted to keep it sustainable and focus like focus on more than like a mass production of something. Yeah. We wanted it to be more sustainable than just making a high quality piece of of clothing we wanted it to be truly sustainable while also being more scalable that it like if we're going to take a photo of it we have more than one to sell of it so there are rag houses uh in la uh in the fashion district that are i've been to those just overflowing interesting in fabrics and okay and that's where you guys got them yeah so i mean just just my elevator pitch on why vintage is scalable shirts shirts take up resources when you make them yeah everything from the construction of the of the the fabric itself a lot of it is in the dye like to to dye a shirt a, a black for example it has to go through several rounds of of washing which is gallons and gallons and gallons of water mm. electricity um to sew it together like all of these resources that it's taking up end up making an impact with with like the the amount of shirts that exist like it's very yeah. minuscule but when there's a million shirts that exist yeah. it leaves a, a footprint right totally. uh-huh. how many ghosted garments were you able to get out of the fabrics that you guys found so i don't have an exact number of like how how much fabric we initially bought yeah um but i know we ended up making about 450 of these ghosted garments that were constructed by vintage fabric into our boxy tee yeah um and that was between 19 variants okay so between 19 different shirt like or i guess different materials um or different fabrics we made 450 shirts yeah i love those ghost garments it's such a like i don't know i just i love them and i don't really know how to transition to this next question but it is something that i definitely want to get into um just you and Lucy and your guys' family. I think throughout this whole thing, you guys have been 
like such a cool duo. And I just, and Retroflex, love that. I bought something a while ago. And Thank I, you. And I bought uh, something for my sister and she loves it. Anyway, Lucy remembers idea. you. Does she really? She does. I, I remember like, texting her getting my and getting my stuff dude, from her. She that is like her superpower is she will remember. That's funny anyone. that she remembers me. I like I think I only texted her. <laughs> That's hilarious. No, but I yeah. was like, I'm doing I'm doing a podcast with Jack Turner. And she was like, Oh, tell That's him I say funny. hi. That's so funny. Like, right. Yeah, Lucy's awesome. She's so great. Um, you guys just had a kid, which yeah. is wild. What has that been like? Like what is, I mean, I mean, no, no need to get cheesy, but no. please do. <laughs> no. Um, let's start with Lucy and then we'll get to the yeah. kid. Yeah. Lucy is amazing. Having her has been the best thing in the entire world. Yeah. Uh, I mean, having someone by your side. Yeah. Sure. Like, Just a, and a business a partner part in general. Yeah, yeah. She is. She, she, I've mentioned several times that we like, we really stick true to our mission statement that that is because of her. She, Mm -hmm. when she is sold on something personally, she does not sway from her, from her decision. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's locked in and it's so helpful. Um, you know, she's been a huge role of Moby because I, I, I mentioned this in the podcast. It was her idea. This whole business of Moby Mm -hmm. started from her business idea in college. Yeah. And I didn't I, know that she went to fashion school. That is so cool. Dude. So, I mean, I mean, obviously it's been, it's something she's wanted to do for a long time is kind of start a fashion brand. Yes. And I think that, yeah. I think that was like probably Moby's biggest hurdle to get over was, uh, at the time when, when I worked at Vivint, she was also working full time at Jane. Okay. Okay. So we, so we're both working full time yeah. nine to five. Yeah. She comes up with this business plan we both put our heads down for a year and a half. And then it's finally to a point where it's like, we should spend more time doing this. this so man. I quit and she stays working. <laughs> Shout out to her. Shout out. Lucy <laughs> keeps on. Working. I, I can't even explain to you. Yeah. How grateful I am for, for what she did and like allowing me to do that. Mm-hmm. She took a huge risk and she had every right to say, Hey, it should be me. This is mine. Yeah, but she didn't, and she trusted me and had hope. And yeah, thank I mean, you. What's Lucy, it been like, kind of running that business together? I mean, running just from my parents, like I, they have, a, like they run a business together, and that's hard. It is so hard, and I imagine it's the same. But what is what's kind of like? How have you guys gotten not through that, but like, what's your way of running business together? Um. You know, there are some days where we are so aligned and mm-hmm. things are so smooth. And then there's some days where she feels a way about something and I feel a way about something yeah. and it's not aligned. And it really, it really teaches you a lot about character and how you're going to react and respond to certain situations. Um, totally. I think finding compromises in any situation is crucial where, if she can't get what she wants, then I'm willing to sacrifice what I want to give us a solution that, that we're both okay with rather Mm -hmm. than just saying, Hey, I know this is not what you want, but we're going to go forward with it anyway. There's always a solution that, that we can come to. Mm -hmm. Um, but that is not easy. And there are certain times where 
I wish that my business partner was not my wife <laughs> and that it was someone that we could just. You had no connection to. Yeah, no connection to. We can reason just because I wanted my relationship with my wife to be way better than where it was at because we were disagreeing yeah. about a business argument yeah. or something like that. Totally. Um, but I bet there's times where it's like awesome. Yeah. 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 I'm sure. It's a lot easier. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot easier when things are going good than yeah, when things are I'm going sh- bad. Oh, for I'm, sure. I, my family has had rough times and yeah. those times are not good. Very rough. Because, I mean, if people are always like, you got to keep your working life separate. But when your business partners together, that's not really a thing. Not at all. And so when business is rough, life is rough. Right. And, and so, yeah, but I mean, you guys have obviously become very successful in your own ways and it's, I mean, it's incredible what you guys have built and what you're going to continue to build. And with a baby now, yeah, what kind of like, I don't know, people always say like, as soon as you have a kid, you have like a new like work, like inspiration. Uh, yeah. Does it feel like that or is it kind of? Um, it doesn't, it, it doesn't. Like? Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll explain. It's not like I wake up every morning now and I'm like, I have got a, a child to feed like <laughs> everything I'm still doing. I'm doing for my own motivation. I'm doing because I yeah, love totally, but there are, I'll find time every day. And like, I don't do it for the motivation at all, mm-hmm. but I find every time every day, if, if I'm busy throughout the day and she's already gone to bed, I'll hold her asleep and just find time to like hold this human that you made that you are responsible for taking care of. Yeah. And it's not stressful. It's not like you're staring like, Oh my God, I have to take care of you. <laughs> yeah. You're looking at it like, like, Oh, I get to take care of like, you. Almost. Like I get, I get to be your dad and I yeah. get to provide. And like, I, I can't even explain. I know that I, when I heard that, when I didn't have no. a kid, I was like, oh, you like <laughs> you can't explain. Explain. Yeah. it's probably great explain it like that <laughs> but it's seriously just like it's better than great it's it's just this overwhelming sense of like peace and calmness and really you're trying to provide for this baby because of the benefit that 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 brings you like yeah totally. you, it's like you you couldn't stop even if you wanted to it's not like this like responsibility. It's like, it's giving you so much more than you're giving yeah. it. It's giving so much joy that you're like, I guess I should probably give something back. Yeah. It's, it's giving so much joy when you hold this baby yeah. that all your decisions are there to make sure that that little baby keeps breathing because of how much joy it brings you. Kind of weird Damn. way to look at it, I but mean, it's just, that's a perfect way weird. to look at it. I think that's awesome. I think that's like literally like perfect way to answer that with, with that being said, what's like the future for you, Lucy, your kid now and lonely ghost, what's that kind of look like? Oh man. I mean, lots of bases to cover in that one question. Yeah. But mainly what's I, the future. Look I, like? I think I said this before. If you asked me a few years ago, yeah. What my future looked like, <laughs> I would have never been able to tell you. I have no absolutely clue. no idea what my future looks like. Yeah. I do know. I feel like I always, I mean, I hate to ask that question because I hate getting asked that question. <laughs> you're like, I don't know what's going to happen. It could, anything could happen. And I'm just kind of like, okay, but I want to make my own future. 
Right. Do you feel that same way? Yeah, no, I, I, I believe that if you want something, you have to know what you want. You have to begin with the end in mind. And so it's lame of me to say, I have no idea. Cause I have a, a million aspirations for what I'd like to do. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've seen my future play out differently than I planned too many times to like, yeah. r- to r- plan. Yeah. To, to, to not be okay with the circumstance changing mm-hmm. and going with whatever life brings. Yeah. Um, if you, if you were to give like some sort of advice to kind of, I know you're like, you've said multiple times, like you could have never predicted for this to happen, but if you were to give some sort of advice to like how to get to like the point you're in, how to leave, like, I mean, you left a very big paycheck and a very like stable job to get to where you're at. What would be like that advice? Nothing that has happened in my life has been, just handed to me. I don't think, Mm -hmm. um, I think all of it has happened because I've put myself in a position where I'm, I'm taking a, I'm taking a leap of faith. Yeah. I am not scared of the outcome of the circumstance. I'm scared of not taking advantage of that opportunity to, to shoot the shot. Yeah. Right. And so I think even if you try something and fail, it's better than not have tried in the first place. I mean, I loved what you said in the beginning about like, if you have an idea, if you have like an aspiration and you have a hundred bucks in your pocket and you're not using that hundred bucks to make that happen, like what are you? You've, you've already lost. You've already lost. You've already lost. Yeah. Like you're de- then you're not going to make it happen. If you're not trying to make it happen, you're not going to make it happen. Right. And I feel like that's just. I mean, like I love that. I feel like that's going to resonate for sure. But I think, um, I think never saying no to something. Yeah. Is, um, is really valuable. Mm-hmm. I also think recognizing, and this this one I still struggle with so bad. But recognize when you say yes to something, you're saying no to a million other things, mm. right? Um, and I, I feel like that has helped me in so many ways because I, yeah. I always say yes. You can hit me up and be like, hey, do you want to make some merch for my for my band? I'd be like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah. Um, doing that merch set me up to do lonely ghost in this weird, weird way. I Mm -hmm. could not have talked to lonely ghost or Bronson and been like, Hey, I do merch for people with recyclable blanks. If it wasn't for the opportunities that I said yes to, who knows if I did say no to those and said yes to other things where I would be not here. Um, but I, I just recognize say yes to as much as you can, but also, recognize when you say yes to something you're saying no to a million other things Boom, mic drop that was awesome um if you have any if you have anything else to add please feel free but i I I did have something i can't remember what it was gonna be or zach if you had any questions but uh just that merch was so big for us as well and it was scary to like come to you being Moby <laughs> for me, just like reaching out out of nowhere, not knowing you just being like, Hey man, I have this idea. Um, 
And then just like being in your house and on the screen printer and like, yeah, we used your blanks and we got to like go through the stuff you had, pick something out at that time. Of course, I have no idea that it had that impact on you. But for us, like literally no joke, three days ago, um, I sold another one of those from a guy on the street just saying, I no love that shirt. No way. And Actually? the band doesn't even exist anymore, but saw that shirt of the one you made with me then. <laughs> and he was like, hey, I love that shirt. I'm like, it's my band. He's like, I don't care. I need it. And sold it That's three hilarious. days ago. So wow. just the effect of like you on a smaller scale, like in your kitchen making it and then going to Lonely Ghost and doing sort of the same idea on a bigger scale is just awesome to see that. Um yeah, it was important to both sides, and it's awesome to see where you went. Thank you so much. That's crazy. I didn't even know that was a thing that y- you guys did. Like, Dude, that's that's so cool, though. That's I was mean, that the first like screen printing you'd ever done, or dude, it wasn't even screen print. It was like you know, like Cricut, like the uh, like oh, like, like the the thing that comes down and cutter yeah, that you uh-huh. like do like scrapbooking with. Totally, we yeah. were cutting out heat transfer vinyl. Oh yeah, and then. Dude, that was the other thing that was like so hard. You see that art back there, like the multicolor mm-hmm. head splatter. Yeah. With heat transfer vinyl, you can typically only do one color because it's just like oh. it cuts it out and then you take this, like it's just a big block of a color and then you yeah. cut out your thing and pull it off and then you're left with just like, we had to turn that like six color design into a single color. Like, <laughs> does, dude, there was just, just to make it work. Dude, like that's the thing. I I hope you know, Zach. I didn't know Adobe. I'm like, <laughs> I'm literally taking this file, putting it into Adobe and like messing around with pen tools that le- me awesome. just doing that learning pen tools has done so much. That's wild. like, that's where, that's where I, I don't know where I'm going. Yeah. But I, I think that's what I was wanting to say is like lonely ghost. The most valuable thing about lonely ghost in my opinion is, is what I've learned from this experience because this, the same feeling that I had when in my kitchen hand pressing these like vinyls onto things <laughs> where I was thinking like, I'm learning so much. This isn't what I don't want to be pressing clothes till 2 AM to make seven shirts by a concert deadline. Like I don't want to <laughs> be doing that. I knew then I didn't want to be doing it, but I knew then that the stuff that I was learning was going to help me in the long run. I am glad what I'm doing at Lonely Ghost right now. I'm loving that I'm here, but at this, I still have the same feeling that I had in my kitchen then that's just overall the value of the things that I'm learning and the, the capacity that I now have going forward for future projects is so much Huge. better than it was before I said yes to this. I mean, so. yeah, yeah, perfectly said. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, a great way, way to end, but if you have anything to add feel free, but thank you so much for coming on. No, I, if you listen to this, thank you so much. I hope you guys know that I, uh, I don't know. I don't know how many times I need to say this, but I don't feel qualified to be in front of a camera talking You're about things that I'm doing because yeah. I didn't know what I was doing and I just kind of ended up here. And, yeah. uh, but I think that's perfect. I, Truly, I don't think anybody really knows what they're doing. No one. No one knows what they're doing. No. I, the, the more I'm in this industry, the more I realize like, oh, I could do that too. Yeah. I just like, you just have the title now. So it's like, if you know the right people and you're cr- courageous enough to like put yourself in those positions to be like, to get those kind of opportunities, the opportunities will flow towards you. 
100 all the time 100 well yeah. said thank you thank you very much thanks for joining yeah yeah no, thank you guys thanks so much for, for having me on it's been a blast perfect thank and you so much guys. and we're out <laughs>